And how's Saul doing? Well, he wouldn't answer my call, so I had to call you two. Um, oh. He, he's in Europe. He's landed. Yep. And the only correspondence I've gotten is a photograph which had large piles of meat on it. So I think he's faring well. Everybody, welcome to Landline Podcast. Okay, we're, we're recording. I apologize. But start over. I didn't get anything. Saul's calling from the North Atlantic, and he loves it there. Commence. What do you know? You're yeah, we're steaming eastward at about 20 knots. Mm. The the captain delivers a um, navigational explanation at uh, noon sharp every day. They they bang a large brass lunch bell, and then the captain comes on for five or ten minutes to deliver a few charming anecdotes as well as very specific linear and lateral explanations about where we are and what's going on in the ocean around us. So, yeah, we're about two days off Newfoundland. You know, we're... The better part of midway through our voyage from New York to Southampton, and I've realized that the sea is where I'm meant to be. It was Sir Francis Drake who observed that the shore is all well and good enough, but the sea is better for me, and I fall firmly in his camp. You sound so relaxed. It's crazy. It's it's like you went into some sort of cryogenic day spa slash double masseuse massage slash mushroom trip couldn't you couldn't sound more relaxed i've, I've de-aged at least 10 years um i am sitting here in a three-piece suit um having just had a eight-course meal wow and then walked the deck briskly for the better part of an hour uh my night's nowhere near even started i had a photographer following me around eight different decks uh from to 11 this afternoon uh, taking pictures just to kind of um, lock things in. And I've really found that this, this is it for me, Alex. There's, there's no better place for me to be than the sea and the Queen Mary. I mean, there's, this is it. This is where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> do you think, what I was built for. Do you think you'll sail back now, cancel your flight? I plan to do that. I've also found a... Um, there's a whole universe out there. So I thought that I was, you know, stretching the limits with my, you know, little seven-day trip across the Atlantic. Uh, Cunard, which is quite the extraordinary line, and they've been in the maritime business for about as long as human history has been building ships. And um, this is, a, you know, tip of the, you know, uh, iceberg, so to speak. I'd say that having just pa- having passed the Titanic's watery grave last night. Wow. Uh, I could do I could do London to Sydney next. I might not come back, to be honest. Wow. I mean, I can I might do the Norwegian fjords. You can literally go anywhere. They're launching a new inaugural passage to Singapore. You might next find me in a tea house in East Asia. How is your How are your fellow companions? How are your companions? 
brilliant. Um, most of them are British. Uh, most of them are decades older than me, and I've realized that's how I want it to be. Mm. I don't like Americans my age. Mm. It's just, I've, I've done that. I've had to put up with that for years. I find it infinitely more interesting to speak to people who are many years my senior. They have better stories. They share my sense of humor more. They have better accents. Uh, they have better life purposes. Everything's better about it. And I feel like I only profit via their conversation. Have you smoked anything? And let me tell you one, one, one last thing sort of about that. You won't catch me dead on one of these like freestyling cruise trips aiming at you know the lowest common denominator, the bottom of the barrel, which our captain explained was actually an explanation left over from old UK maritime terms in which you'd salt pork and then you would scrape the bottom of the barrel if you were desperate for that extra salted meat. Yeah. So I don't... Delicious. Agreed. Uh, yeah, it doesn't do... This, this is a crowd that I want to move around from now on. They, they have a better sense of style. They appreciate my own style more. Um, I change my outfits four to five times a day. Each and every one is appreciated. I become more and more formal as the day goes on, obviously. It's just, it's better. This, this was the cloth that I was meant to wear. How's the trunk? The trunk is magnificent. This, this ship is built around the concept of trunks. They, they bring it in, you, you drop it with the porters, and then they bring it to your cabin, and then you use what you please, pack the rest amongst your wardrobe, and then they, they offload it for you. And to answer your question, I have smoked several things. Okay, well, I just wondered, like, cigarettes, pipes, like, I'm not trying to get you in trouble. I'm just wondering, like, what sort of, what everyone's smoking. Well, the one, so the one, the one, the one, there's, there's one place you can smoke on this ship, you know, which is the Churchill Lounge, which is directly off the Commodore's Club on the ninth floor at the prow of the ship. Uh, and they have a robust cigar selection. Mm. I wasn't in there for five minutes before a gentleman handed me a rather robust cigar, even for their selection, and invited me to partake immediately. Only pipes and cigars are allowed. Mm. Cigarettes, absolutely not tolerated anywhere. Weed pipes, so, too. Besides, well, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I brought a, a few supplies from Washington Square Park uh, in New York, and I partake of that on my capacious balcony every evening, approximately 10 or 11 p.m., and then resist the temptation to go straight to the King's Court buffet at midnight. But uh, there's, yeah, that's 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 kind of how the um, tobacco intake works. If you if you want to smoke, you really should be in the Churchill Pub and nowhere else. All right. Well, I have to get in my Chrysler minivan and drive through city traffic in the driving range rain to pick up my hysterical two-and-a-half-year-old. So um, we literally couldn't be in more different situations if we were living on separate planets. And I bet... I bet the only similarity is that I got, I got hit with some icy Atlantic surf while strolling the deck after my roast beef course a few minutes ago. So in, in that sense, we're both mildly waterlogged. So... I, I beg of you, kind sir, to call back in 45 minutes when I can just jam my kids in the room of the television and 
put on Wildcrat so that I can talk to you. But I do want to note, in the event that this is our last correspondence, it can't be. Don't let it be our last correspondence mid, can't be. mid-ocean. Your sound has never been clearer on Landline Podcast. So I just, it's, it's amazing. You're crystal clear. You sound so excellent. And this is as if we needed another nail in the coffin of cell phones. This is like the, this is the largest, grandest railroad spike in the mausoleum of cell phones that anyone has ever seen. Well, I want to I wanna add it, just say my mind has never been clearer. Mm. I've, I've never felt sharper, more tactile more vibrant than at sea. This, to repeat, is this, this is where I'm supposed to be. I don't think at this point it's an exaggeration to say that the land doesn't hold much for me. <laughs> Except all those cows you're eating. All right, I, I, this is the, I, I've hung up on people. Do you know, do you know how many courses, between, between lunch and dinner, do you know the number of courses that I've consumed today? Do you, know how many, do you know how many forks they lay out in front of my napkin every every p.m. and dinner time? I mean, What's the finger bowl? I can't What's, count that. My, high, my, my, my grandmother, who wrote on the original Queen Mary, what, would want to know what the finger bowl situation is. Are there so is there lemon no, water to get your to get your hands clean after some sort of like fish course? Well, they don't, and the sad part is I think that was probably a COVID casualty. Mm. I, th- I think that at this point, just any sort of dipping one's fingers in a you know communal bowl is, is frowned upon. But And this is, after all, the, the cruise industry. But look, this, this is a grand vessel. Uh, it's been around since 2004. It's going strong, but their lineage goes back hundreds of years. I mean, uh, a person like me on a ship like this was torpedoed by the Germans in the 40s. Wow. And, I could go back another 50 years before that. I mean, this is, you know, the, the lineage of this particular line is extraordinary. I feel honored to be on it and highly resistant to leaving. Well, getting torpedoed mid-Atlantic is probably superior to some of the situations we have going on in terra firma since you left. So, um, all right. Well, this is, I, I've said a tearful goodbye to many people on the phone, but this feels pretty pretty far up the ladder in terms of the saddest times I've ever hung up. So let me go get my, my beautiful, difficult son, Dewey, and just the, everything's set up for you to call back. I'll be, I'll be roasting a chicken with Jerusalem artichokes and making a basil parsley pesto from the farmer's market and a delicious salad with feta cheese and uh, awaiting a wait. Now, what, what time is it? Now I have no I have no idea what time it is anywhere in the world except on the ship and the only thing I know here is that I'm in a magical bubble of ship's time. It's sometime after four PM and I hope that it's not too close to four thirty, because that's when I'm supposed to be there and it's at least twenty minutes away in traffic. So it's between four and four thirty. And um in one hour you know, you know, if you smoked a cigar it would be six o'clock when we were done with dinner. Um, when you called back, and I could have a window there. All right, so my window is forty-five minutes to what? Shall we say two hours? Yeah, anytime after forty-five minutes, I'll be ready for you. 
I'm going to do my best to call back. There's many activities that I have to get done in the meantime. We have a full, full schedule every hour, sometimes every half hour. There's new things. Okay. Well, uh, but you have I'm going to try to get on this phone again. You have five hours until I retire to my bed to read Hotel New Hampshire by John Irving that I found in the lending library in my neighborhood. I read that one. With, with, it's the one with the bear. I, Jack, when I, State of Maine. Well, to be to be fair, all of John Irving has a bear. Oh, gotcha. John Irving doesn't write books without without bears and various performers. But I take your point. And back when um, the land interested me, I cared about that sort of thing. Now, if it doesn't have fins, it's really not my uh, purvey. Well. Why don't you go try to have an affair or successfully have an affair and then call back? We'll talk soon. God bless. Bye. Or should I say Poseidon bless? Yeah, you should. There's so much to talk about. All right, call me back. Bye. Poseidon bless. Landline. 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 Missed you there. It's, this is, Just missed you. You want to call me back? No, this is perfect for me. Okay. This looks great. Looks good on you. Perfect though. for me too. I'm walking down Mississippi in the sun, waiting for my expensive tacos to get made. Okay. Well, this is a big one. So see if you can. Boy, is it? Before you tell me, is it better or worse that the internet had it wrong? It just keep just keep your just keep your mind on this because it's going to be difficult to keep up. Okay. Oh, I'll see what I can do. I am a woman, so the, the inner the you, you talk are talk slow. Okay. Okay, you did step on my sort of intro here. The internet is wrong is the name of this mini segment. Okay. Okay. Sorry. In 2014, well, excuse me. In 2022. This morning, I released a podcast about how I had a failing soft serve ice cream business that never left the basement, and that's. I know I'm halfway through it. Yeah, and it's been listened to internationally, internationally renowned. Okay, so conversely, I in 2014 I had a harebrained idea to have a pop up World Cup beer garden. I took over a parking lot in Northwest Portland, Oregon. I got TVs, tents, refrigerated trailers, food carts, and sold Bragging. sold $100,000 of beer in 26 days. And as I always say to with a punchline, didn't make a dime. Okay. So 2018, the World Cup happened again, but the USA didn't make it, so we skipped it. Plus, I don't think we were in Oregon. 2022, the World Cup is back, and I think I'm going to do a beer garden, which will be a great thing to podcast about. So there'll be plenty of info on that. The World Cup draw happened today, which means that they basically just picked teams out of a hat of everybody who had qualified and put them in their groups for the round robin. There's Every team is in a group of four. Uh, The top two teams from each of the eight groups advance to the 16-team elimination tournament, and then the winner of that is the winner of the World Cup. So it's a, a lot of buzz. And what we're waiting to find out is what time the games are at because the tournament is being held in... A lot of time. <laughs> the tournament is being held in Qatar, okay? Ever, just like how we've all learned to say Kiev. Unfortunately, we all know how to say Kiev now. I wish 
we were in a world where we all still called it Kiev because there, the Ukrainians would be a lot happier. Yeah, we, what's up? Is it Chicken Kiev now? That's always what it's been. That's actually, I think, the one time people have been saying it right. It was always Chicken Kiev, but people still called it Kiev. But from. I don't think we should go down any sort of jokey path with Ukraine because it's not funny. However, you are now all going to get bombarded over the head about how to say cutter because Qatar is not how you say it. And do you Cutter, know that, isn't that where Tim Kala goes to shower princes with ice statues? Uh, I do think he flew there for to sell Pinot Noir one time. I don't know though. But do you know I the? I think ca- it was an Okamoto joint. Do you know the capital of Cutter? No, I was going to say something, but I'm just going to sound like such an idiot. It's I don't know it. Doha is the capital Oh, of I did. I knew that. Okay, so do you know what time it is in Doha right now? I'm going to guess three days in the future. <laughs> it is approximately 10.20 p.m. And what is... Wait, wait, wait. wait. I, I have a quick aside. I'm walking by, and there's a dog kennel for free that Tim would fit in. Should I get it? Is it a kennel or is it like a travel bag? It's not a travel bag. It's like a hard case kennel. Could you lift it and put it under a airplane seat? No. No. Then no. And we'll do the hoarding episode another time. So, so what time is it in Oregon? Um, it is just after noon. Okay. So it's just after 10 p.m. Perfect. Easy math. That means that Doha is 10 hours ahead of us. Oh, that's it? And it's universally understood that the World Cup games are going to be at 1 p.m., 4 p.m., 7 p.m., and 10 p.m. in Doha. That's the local time. Are we sure they don't go off Greenwich Mean Time? Well, Greenwich Mean Time does factor into this conversation because the question for me, the entrepreneur, is what time can I get people into a bar in the middle of the night and can I serve them alcohol? So the the Oregon statute states that you can serve alcohol until 2.30 a.m. And... Everybody on the internet is saying that the first game is going to start at 3 a.m., which is a nightmare for me because it's, first of all, the definition of the middle of the night is 3 a.m. That's, that, that is what the middle of the night is. It's the witching hour. You cannot keep people awake who've been going to bars until 1 or 1.30 till 3, especially when you start stop serving alcohol at 2.30. And really, you can't get people out of their couches to go to a bar. At 4 a.m., people get up to go to the airport. You know, 5 a.m., people get up to go running. To get up at 2.45 to go to a pop-up beer garden, is it's just not going to happen. It doesn't feel good. So ESPN, they say the games are at 3 a.m. SI, SportsIllustrated.com, 3 a.m. CNN, 3 a.m. However... And the internet is good for some things. I was able to do a little bit of research and discover that the Qataris 
do not observe daylight savings time. Yes. And so when on November 6th, which I can see in my dad's calendar, which he's been doing for 45 years, the Nantucket calendar, I'm going to do a long-form interview with him about that in this season of Landline because it's his last year ever doing the calendar. We'll do a retrospective like he's Al Pacino in The Godfather. Maybe he'll even do The Voice. Uh, he actually has never seen The Godfather, so that that's, a, that's a podcast in itself. In my father's calendar, now he always gets the Jewish holidays wrong, and I'm that's true. And he probably gets Veterans Day wrong, too, although I feel that's like... He, probably some sort of commentary on how his life has shaken out. No, I mean, he married a Jewish woman, so I, I think he's... That's what I mean. Okay, so... He says that daylight savings is on November 6th. At that point, we will fall back, in quotes, and the time here in Oregon will be just after 11 a.m., and the time in Doha will be just after 10 p.m., as it remains the same because, as with Greenwich Mean Time, they don't observe daylight savings time in Qatar. The emir doesn't think that Women need to wake up an hour earlier to not be allowed to drive. They, he just figures keep the time the same. And so, oh uh, so also no rainbow flags will be allowed at this World Cup. If they see one, they're going to take it away from you. And why are we literally? so literally? That was an article today. Just just to like check in with all the landline listeners about why what, are we going there? Why? For why? This? Oh, not to mention the literally hundreds of Pakistani migrant workers who died building the stadiums because of terrible working conditions and a hundred not drink alcohol there too. And the reason they're having it in November is because it's so hot on the surface of the earth around the equator. I know global warming doesn't exist. Constitutionalist enigma that they literally can't have the games on fields in July when it usually is. So they've not well, only we're just coming out of an ice age. So they've not only did they change when the World Cup is to Thanksgiving week, which is a boon for the World Cup beer garden. They've also created outdoor air conditioned stadiums. Okay, which just wow. so, just so you know, if you want a seventeen second lesson on why humans are killing themselves, it's that we've created outdoor air-conditioned stadiums in places that are too hot because we've made them that way. Okay, so... Talk about a Bacchanal. I know. I mean, should we go instead of... Let's Bacchanal in Portland. So so what I'm telling you is that everybody says that the games are going to be on at 3 a.m. here, but we're going to... 3 a.m. is going to be 2 a.m. at this time because we're falling okay. back. Well, I'm actually kind of bummed to hear that because I was kind of banking on the like the 5 a.m. and 7 a.m. games. Oh, they're and there. It's still there. Yeah, it's there. It's 2, 5, 8, and 11. 2, 5, 8, and 11. Amazing. Now. So it gets better? I thought we were going to like it was going to get like better for the very late night crowd, but not necessarily better for our no, no, it's, early morning running crowd. 
No, I think that's a wash. I think that the idea of a game starting at 3 a.m. is when you can't serve alcohol is significantly worse than a game starting at 2 a.m. when you still have half an hour until last call. So we that to me is now I might still be closed for those games because I was looking at the 2 a.m. games and they um, it's like, you know, South Korea versus Tunisia and that's not an actual matchup, but there are some pretty bad ones. However, uh, I think you just got to be open for every single game. That's your selling point. You know that the place is open. You don't have to call. You don't have to look. You don't have to follow it on social media because there isn't one. You just go. The World Cup Beer Garden shows all the games. So 2 a.m. And for all you USA fans, they're in a group with England, Iran, the Islamic Republic of Iran, and either Scotland, Wales, or Ukraine. Oh wow! Wow. So, so let's be hard to pick someone to root for in that melon. But the USA is playing the first Monday of the tournament, the Monday of Thanksgiving week. The USA is playing at the 11 a.m. game. So that's going to be packed. The World Cup Beer Garden is going to be raking in the dough on day one. That's amazing. So anyways, if the if the internet somehow convinces the Qataris that they were wrong and that I, that I was wrong I mean, oh, this is the last piece. What if we ban daylight savings time? So do we get another hour in that? No, case? if that's the problem. I'm now against daylight savings time ending. I if, yeah, I was looking for a reason to be on the other side of the aisle from Ted Cruz. So if if daylight savings time ends, then the games will be at three a.m. and I'll default on my student loans. forgot about those still frozen thanks joe biden all right so okay. that's that's so what so i mean what's your so it's well you know me i'm a bit of a visual thinker um i'm just happy you're happy i don't understand you're right my female brain is too feeble to have wrapped itself around this complex riddle of time zones and um greenwich and Daylight Savings and Ted Cruz. So I am just so psyched for you and can't wait to see what happens. With the time zones. With the time zones. I mean, when's the last time you were betting on a time zone? Take that to the sports book. Well, I emailed, I tried to email, I emailed Bill Simmons for, I think, the first time in my life, I was like, I need you to correct everybody on the internet about this. I didn't mention... Did you name drop? I didn't mention Gabe's name, because I know that that would, like, be the black mark against me. And I... Yeah, I think that's your end. And... You really got to teach you how to get in there. No, I, I want Bill Simmons to ultimately discover me for who I am and then like me more than Gabe. That's my plan. <laughs> and then... It's a long play. And then I also tried to email the reporter for SportsIllustrated.com. You can't find an email address. It's only Twitter. That's the only way you get to people now is at them. I'm not adding anybody, okay? You can at me. You can get at me, 503-894-8480. That's how you get at me. 
So, anyways, oh the God. internet is wrong. I'm right. Daylight Savings, Doha, Greenwich Mean Time, and the Emir of Qatar. Amazing. No, shit. Thank I just did so it. I just did it. Cutter. It's Cutter. Oh, my God. I've been doing it wrong the whole time. It's Cutter. No, you haven't been doing it wrong the whole time. Right. You, like, did a big explanation. Anyway, you... thank you so much for breaking this hot story with me first on my lunch break. You're welcome. And, I, and yeah, keep me posted. How's your podcast listening going? It's great. Tim, favorite guest of mine, oh, old int- Tim. Interesting. I like his comments on ROI. Gotcha. Anyway. All right, what did you get? Did you get that chicken tacos, like C-H-I-K apostrophe N? I got a, I got a winter veggie Brian's bowl where they flash fry cauliflower and carrots and serrano peppers. No meat. I'm not doing meat at stores like that. And serrano peppers are winter in Colombia, the country? Maybe I got it wrong. Maybe it wasn't serranos, but... All right. Well, it sounds delicious. Woo! I'm hungry. Um, well, enjoy that. We'll see you in a few hours back at the ranch. Uh, one child is sleeping and the other one's watching TV, so... Ugh, bliss. Okay, to... well, you're on, you're on bike duty at 3.30. We'll see if I get there. Adios. Bye. Landline. Hey, how's it going? Hey, I just wanted to thank you for my uh, birthday present on the podcast. Oh, nice. How's it working? It's super sharp, super balanced. I yelled at your sister for using it the other day. Basically, it's nice. a perfect gift. <laughs> I love that. I yell at my wife for using touching my knife. So what? It, so you gave me a beautiful knife that you made. Can you just give us five minutes on kind of the whole the whole process? Yeah. So um, of course. Uh, so I went to um, well, little John. My son has always wanted to be a blacksmith since he was really little, and saw that Robin Hood. Disney Robin Hood movie where they have like all the everybody has knives and spears and stuff and ever since he was like really little he's wanted to be a blacksmith to the point where he would just get a hammer and just like pound pieces of metal that weren't heated up or anything he would call it cold forging and just like pound sheet metal into different shapes and so then this show called Forged in Fire came on and he was like into that he's way into that where these guys compete to make knives and swords. Mm. And then, of course, he's like, I want to learn, I want to forge, I want to forge. And um, I was like, I have no idea what this entails, you know. So I went and I took a class at the DIY cave here in Bend. Wow. To see, like, is this something that, like, a kid could do? And uh, so once I went and took a couple classes, I was like, oh, yeah, we could totally do this. Took some money that um, his grandparents sent to him for Christmas. And got him a little forge set up. And then he and I went to the junkyard outside of Bend and bought like the rear end assembly spring leaf springs from an old Jeep. And uh, 
hauled that thing home. It was like 120 pounds. I could barely lift it. Like this, so the, like all four springs like together with a big bolt or something like that. Yeah, that's that's right. Wow. Yep, just like the whole back end, suspension thing for a Jeep. And so I got that, and then you know me, I always love to learn things and take classes and stuff. Um, and I, and I I went and I got it's like my golf game like how I'm intimidated by something until I start doing it and I kind of really you know I I really enjoy it. Um, I got an angle grinder and a drill press and a bandsaw and a plasma cutter and a MIG welder and all kinds of shit and I can do I can build anything. Wow. Um, so I took the um, leaf spring and I cut a piece of that leaf spring off. And uh, threw it into the uh, forge and just melted it down and pounded out that knife. It's amazing. And, uh, yeah, and then I ground it out on my new 42 by 2 inch belt grinder. And uh, the handle was the last thing that went on. That just went on Sunday. Um, Heather, um, you know, the, the original handle was just kind of straight. She's like, this is not good. So you got to maybe get some shape you know and stuff like that so i just worked at that with the sandpaper and the sander and there you go dude that's that's it so does the so the the handle's a little piece of walnut you told me and it's just a yeah. nice wooden handle does does the how do the metal and the wood of the handle go together is it like a spike in there that goes down the center of it that you made a hole in or yeah so the knife um coming off the blade there's a uh three-eighths inch uh it just continues that steel continues off the blade they call it the tang and uh it just extends off so it's not like welded together or anything it's just part of the um, blade itself it continues into the handle and then with my drill press i drilled out a hole that fits into that uh tang and then i put some like really heavy epoxy in that and then glued it on amazing um yeah, so I mean that thing should last a long time. I would I mean it's a knife, it'll last forever, I guess. It's a fairly soft metal. It's not like stainless steel, um but it it's definitely, you know, you could put a super sharp edge on that thing and it, it, you can you can definitely sharpen that knife so it's super sharp. So I well it's it was sharp and you gave it to me and I should just sharpen it like any other knife with my sharpener, right? My long sharpener. Yep, yep totally. steel. And yep. <clears throat> wow. Well, it's interesting because the same week you gave it to me, I got a quote back to get your sister's truck, which is currently at a Toyota dealership in Rhode Island, getting a uh, sort of it's I don't know what the opposite of your last rights is, your first rights. It's getting a rebirth. It may be if anyone can come up with the money. And let's just say that the crypto market today isn't helping. Um, yeah. That the leaf to yeah, replace totally. all the leaf springs on that truck is forty three hundred dollars. So oh no shit, go to the dump and buy each one for five bucks. And then what? Buy a buy a lift and replace the leaf yeah. springs myself, or yeah, just just jack up the bed of the truck and take the leaf springs off and put the new ones on. I don't think I have the right meth to do that job. That's the problem. I know. That's totally something that LBJ and I would geek on for sure. Um, you just have to get the truck up on some stumps, you know, the back end of it. Back to jack it up and put it on some stumps so it's hanging up on the stumps. And then you can just take the whole fucking thing off. 
Can you believe that $4,200? That seems a bit excessive. We're just not going to get that work done. Um, no, I wouldn't do it. for. I mean, I, literally, I would just go to the dump and buy the parts for 5 bucks. So do you think we could turn those leaf springs into knives, artisan yeah, knives, and then sell them for the equivalent of $4,200 if we had, like, the right marketing scheme? Oh, shit. Of course. My cell yep. phone's ringing. That is so rude. Uh, uh, we'll, just, we'll just let it, yeah. we'll just let yeah, it that's brown a, out. Bam. Bam. Um, yes, you could definitely sell $4,300 worth of knives, but it's going to take you, like, 4,300 hours to make that many knives. Now, when are you gonna? When are you gonna just like upgrade? I love how even a forge is something that Dad decided he like. It's like a remote control car, airplane, yeah. or whatever. It's like so, actually, it was re- actually for you that present. It yeah. Wasn't, wasn't so yeah, I've, <laughs> yeah. Tomorrow I'm driving. So this forge is nice. It's a good like. Hey, this is a forge. It's nine inches wide by nine inches wide. So I'm going out to Schnitzer or the um, not Schnitzer. The yeah, other sh- big. Okay. Yeah, I'm going out to Schnitzer tomorrow by um, Smith Rock, and they have, like, mountains of steel out there. And so I'm going to go buy, like, a 8-inch wide by 3-foot long steel pipe. And I'm going to make my new forge out of that. So, And it's going to be a triple burner, and uh, it's propane-driven. A uh, triple burner. Long enough to make like katanas and stuff. Swords. LBJ wants to start making swords. He's been he made a, he's been making knives by himself. He won't even let me touch it. You know, he's like, Dad, no. He made some throwing knives. Wow. Just a really nice whittling knife for his buddy for his ninth birthday or tenth birthday. I don't know, but John just made a great knife last weekend. It's super cool. Um, he his first one was like a. He, we found this old uh, railroad spike when I was surveying one day. And uh, he took that thing and made it into a sick ass knife. He calls it the zombie chopper. Um, he's just way into. He's just way into. You know how strong that kid is too, man. He can yeah. pound with a hammer like nobody's business. And but he's got it all down. You know, I mean, he's very safe about it. And he's got. He's on the grinder, the arc grinder. You know, the um, plasma cutter. You know, like all kinds of cool stuff. Very landline. Yeah, I mean, this it is because you just spend the day just. Hanging out with your kid with the forge, you know, in the backyard. What's um, the What's the fire marshal think? Do you have Have you greased their palm yet? Like, what is your first environmental agency that's going to just kind of come sniffing? Around? Yeah, I, you know, man, I, that leads me to another idea. I had I was talking to a guy earlier today about how just you can do whatever you want nowadays in Oregon. I mean, you can do anything you fucking want. There's no cops anywhere yeah. to stop anybody from doing anything. Obviously, there's just crazy people running around, you know? Yeah. Um, so I figure, hey, if you're going to let these people just run around and acting crazy, we saw some crazy lady rolling around naked on the ground the other day. You know, I mean, it's just like, what the fuck is going on? This is in Bend. You know, it's not in downtown Portland. This is in Bend on Franklin. Yeah. Like, what, what are the crazies? So if they can do that, I'm going to do whatever I want. Um, all right, before I let you go, any any yeah. uh, any message you want to send to Saul after his um, trip across the ocean? Did you happen to check in on that story? Uh, you know, I, I have not caught up on that, but I will um, listen and then comment. Okay. Um, yeah. There's, it's he a, didn't do it solo, did no, he? No, he went on the Queen Mary 2, and he, he actually oh, he called me um, from the North Atlantic on this episode, too. So. Oh, my gosh, how exciting. I will give it a listen tomorrow, and then... Uh, Call in and comment. I hope everybody in the landline universe is doing great. 
And um, if anybody needs knives, my son needs money, and he's making knives to, to make money. We're taking orders. Well, let's just um, uh, tie this back to golf really quickly. By the way, I oh, p- yeah. played with three guys yesterday. Definitely. Oh, no. uh, it was fine for a while, but on the back nine, one of them took out their boom box. So, um, uh, and he was like playing yeah. Drake and Frank Ocean, so at least it was like rap, which I know is what you wanted. But um, yeah, it's yeah. just it's it's tough. It's a tough yeah. It's a tough so, pull to swallow. Uh, Having a the golf conversation with you actually gave me the courage to tell a lady that yes, I do in fact mind her playing her music and no, she can't do it. Wow, I felt good about that. Nice. Um, yeah, I felt really good. It was at my home course, you know, and I was like, no, actually, fuck no. You know, I'm a member here. I didn't say I'm a member here, but I was like, no, no music on the course. We're here for you know for the game. Um, and then speaking of golf, I have uh, three games in the next three days. Uh, tournament. Wow play yeah wow. good luck tournament play call us from yeah. the uh clubhouse after you know a couple rounds I will. and tell us how it's going hey yeah, but yeah. is that what a forged iron is is that it was made in a forge uh yeah i mean the original ones were so the the difference between the forged irons and the um like cavity backs is that the forged irons are made out of one piece of steel mm. and um the cavity backs are uh Composite. There are different pieces of steel that are milled out and then um, welded, fused together um, for different densities. And they usually have something in the middle of them to, uh, you know, give them a softer feel or whatever. They can dick with whatever the center filling is, like a donut. You know what I mean? They can inject different materials into their uh, elastomers. Can you uh, believe these Chinese people aren't allowed out of their houses? I'm surprised Chinese people are allowed out of their houses. Honestly, in that regime, I mean, why, why would? Well, a lot of them aren't right me. now in Shanghai. They're not allowed to come out of their apartments because of COVID. It's like, right? I know that, but at the same time, I'm saying they have gotten used to so much control of their lives. I'm surprised that they are even allowed out of their houses. They yeah. live under a complete dictatorship. Ever, they should never be allowed out. If I were the dictator, I wouldn't let anybody out at any point in time. Um, well, this could be that maybe that's a little weakening of their uh, situation if they don't let people. Maybe they'll maybe they'll get overthrown. No, there there's no chance of that. Who's going to do it? There's no there. The, the people there aren't raised with any idea of. Wow, I could actually go outside and tell the Chinese government to go fuck themselves. You know what I mean? That that died a long time ago, I think, in Tiananmen Square, I believe. Yeah. Um, you know, that died with the guy who got run over by the tanks or whatever. All right. Well, um, yeah, some... but the crypto business is down, I guess. Oof. Um, I like, I shout out to all the people who own crypto. I love you. Yeah. Like, no personal offense, but uh, yeah. I did some hot U boat talk with my dad earlier on this episode, and I was like, how, how do you feel about the crypto crash? And he's like, he was like, I'm all for it. So, well, I mean, I just have, wait, I, I'm still waiting to find out what the value of it is. And to, someone to prove to me that it's not a giant pyramid scheme. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I don't, it, I'm divested from the crypto game completely at this point. Yeah, I don't. Uh, it's it's you know I lived on Schadenfreude for about ten years before I met your I sister, know. and she really like encouraged me to maybe not be such a sarcastic asshole. But um, I think the right. podcast probably has suffered from that. But my you know my my home <laughs> life has improved considerably. But yeah, um, this is just like a giant Schadenfreude pie. That is just waiting for me, this crypto news. So I'm just going to have little bites of it for as long as I can. I hope it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. 
feel bad for people. Who, I just understand why anybody would get into it in the first place is the thing, unless they, you know, they're smarter than the next guy. But again, there's no, there's no reason for it to have any value at all. And I just don't understand it. It's like, hey, you want to buy something that doesn't exist? It costs sixty thousand dollars. No thanks, dude. I want something that has like some sort of, you know. Anyway, I don't. I'm not. I, no, no, that's yeah, all right. Whatever. That's good. That's good. All right. Well, good. Yeah, thanks again. Yeah. The knife is amazing. I made hash oh, br- hash browns with it. I cut some farmers market new potatoes and a white onion up this morning. Beautiful cut on the cutting potato. Cutting pretty cleanly for you. I, I never it's, cut anything with it. Yeah, no, it's a it, it's a beautiful knife. I um oh, I gently um broke down a, ch- a roast a rotisserie chicken last night that cool. I made on my Weber with a rotisserie. Um and yeah, it's a great knife and. Um, cool. I, 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 there is a little bit of bad blood between me and Anna around using it, but I'm going to try to get back in her good graces. She just, she just started using it because it was the sharpest knife. She didn't ask, she didn't ask me how to care for it. She didn't say like, right. can we get an orientation on this? She just immediately started using it to like hack up a piece of, you know, Colby Jack cheese. Like Dude, I, we got to have a conversation. We got to have a conversation here. That does not surprise me. I love her, but, you know, man, don't leave the thing float. Don't leave. I've had to tell her this before. Don't leave wooden spoons floating in water. You know, like, let's, you know, that doesn't work that way. I love her. Well, she, she's it, making the money, and I'm doing the wooden spoon cleaning. So, I, you know, she's yeah, not Yeah, that's why, you know, problem. the lady of the house gets a nice knife to, yeah, to prepare exactly. with. That's right. Exactly. That's me. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Thanks for, thanks right, for answering. I love you. All right. I love you, too. Yeah. Goodbye. Landline. Well, Landline does make some mistakes, only a few. I had an epic opening minute and a half with my dad answering the phone about how he's waiting to get told he has COVID, but um, I wasn't recording. So here you go. We're just going to get jump right in to the middle of our conversation about U-boats. Landline. Landline. From America and any place else to Britain and um, because um, England was uh, couldn't produce its enough food for itself. I don't know about France, but um, there are plenty of sinkings, hundreds of sinkings. I, um, you can probably look up on the Internet and find out how many ships uh, were sunk by U-boats in World War One. Well, that's the whole point of the podcast. We don't look it up on the internet. We ask people like okay, you, and if right. you're wrong, yeah. then that's okay. Yeah. Uh, so they were, and a U-boat is different than a submarine, or it was just the original submarine was called a U-boat because it was underwater? An undersea boat. Gotcha. Yes. Okay. Um, and the Germans did have a fairly good-sized navy, but the Brits of course, had a superior one. Um, There was one um, major uh, naval battle off of the northeast of of England. Um, More or less, the Brits staved off the Germans, and uh, they lost some ships, too, but... um, Surface fighting in World War One was not not common, but um, U-boats and U-boat sinkings were very common. So after, but I don't. They, I think that in the First World War, 
the U-boats didn't go as far into the Atlantic like they did in, um, they didn't have the range. And so in the, after World War One is over, do you, the Germans were broke and, you know, um, were, you know, in super uh, ultra inflation, all that stuff, but they would have then rehabbed the U-boat fleet and gone back into the water. It's not like U-boats were in and around European waters in between the wars. They didn't have the... No. Okay. No. Um, the Germans, um, as soon as Hitler sort of took over and the French and the Brits couldn't do anything about it, they started developing all aspects of the military. And the modern U-boats from the late 30s on had uh, were much more effective weapons they could go um, much greater distances, and um, they operated near in the Caribbean to try to stop oil tankers that went from Venezuela and um, up to the U.S. and then across to um, the Britain. Um, and they did. They operated off the off the east coast of the U.S. very much particularly early in the war, and without blackouts, there are many uh, stories about uh, U-boats operating on the surface at night, seeing ships against the lights of um, uh, that, that gambling town in New Jersey. Atlantic City. Atlantic City and such places, and because they were not early on having blackouts, and it was um, shooting fish in a barrel. So there were, so in like the forties, people lived in fear of getting sunk by a U-boat when they went on a pleasure cruise or not a pleasure cruise, but like a, on, on some sort of ship someplace you, like, yes. if you were going from Manhattan to Miami, would you have taken a plane in 1941 or no. a, train. So, a train? Okay. But if you yeah. had taken an ocean liner, then they would have done drills about what what to happen if you get torpedoed. Uh, yeah, I I think that I must say I don't know what happened to um, commercial travel across the Atlantic during wartime. Um, one thing it's known is that no troop ship was ever sunk by a U-boat. Um, and one advantage of that was that the troop ships, um, the ocean liners that were taken over, were fairly fast. Gotcha. Um, and they and they zigzagged and all that. But the question of um, the shipping, um, those, you know, um, freight freighters were much slower, and there was a debate early on about uh, whether they should go individually or in convoy. And finally, um, when they decided on convoys, uh, it was a much better situation. Um, there are a lot of stories about particularly, um, I think, uh, about convoys that were broken up and sunk in great numbers by wolf packs. Um, Going, I think, uh, a convoy from uh, the east was called a Q, 
and coming back it was a P. So it was either QP meant going or PQ meant coming back. Um, a One of the staging areas was Halifax. Um, they'd meet up there and get into a convoy there. And as the war went on, um, the safety of merchant ships increased a good deal. And is that what the merchant marine was for, protecting? You would have had like some sort of yeah. military boat yeah. that was chaperoning you across the ocean? Um, well, you had destroyers. Right. And anti-submarine destroyers. And by, I would say, <coughs> 1943, uh, they were well-developed, and uh, there were a lot more sinkings of U-boats. Also, there are other ways to do it with uh, anti-submarine bombers uh, flying around to identify them, maybe not sink them with bombs, which would, was very difficult. Um, dirigibles were used uh, close to the coast. And then also there were phony, some phony um, merchant ships that were actually very heavily armed. And what about um, the Lusitania? Is that was well, it, that ship that was sunk by a U-boat, wasn't it? You got to read the book. The book is really terrific. It's absolutely terrific. Um, and there are bonehead activities there. It's also if things can happen, they will. And if by chance all things come together, and that's what happened there. And so how many, um, how many people are on one of these things, like 30 or 300 on a U-boat? Oh, oh no, more like 40, um, 30. And, nah. and can, can, canned ham? I mean, what, how, what are they, how, are they, how yeah. are they staying alive? Well, they, have, they leave fully um, provisioned, and they can be on a... Uh, mission for a certain amount of time. The, uh, the thing that's going on is they have to come to the surface to recharge their batteries using diesel. And mm. that is typically a nighttime operation. Probably early in the war, they were in some places, they would did it at in the daytime because there were no defenses. Um, yeah, you have to recharge your batteries. And then if you were... With the um, sun? What does that mean? Or with the ocean no, current? No, they, they had a diesel motor and a generator. But you couldn't do that below the, the technical... No, no. Gotcha. No, okay. No. So you went up at, typically at night and recharged your batteries. Um, and, um, yeah, the U-boats operated as far as, I think, the northeast coast of, of South America but definitely around in the Caribbean uh, to try to stop the oil trade, and then the wolf packs in the, in the Atlantic. Um, and also, you wouldn't want to have been a um, merchant marine guy on the shipping that went around the North Cape of Norway going to Russia, because um, the... Germans controlled Norway, so they had air air superiority and could spot um, the convoys, and some of them were really uh, destroyed by um, 
submarines off um, in the way North Atlantic going to, you know, bringing war material to the Russians. Do you think this is the longest lecture anyone's ever given with COVID-19 on U-boats? Yeah. yeah. I feel like a lot better now than I did this morning, I'll tell you. All right. I'm waiting on a, apparently a call from um, a nurse to get my symptoms, and then um, maybe they'll prescribe antiviral. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm seen, I think I'm kind of late in the process. Mom says I got it at the in the waiting room for the High Line last Saturday morning. <laughs> um, okay, and I guess the so I got to read the book about the Lusitania. How does the Russians are coming? The Russians are coming factor in because those didn't they arrive in that book and movie on a U-boat? But they were Russian. Or was that just a ship? Oh, no, they were Russian during the Cold War. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. In the 50s. Oh, yeah. And um, submarines are fundamental to um, mutual assured destruction today because they have nuclear weapons. And uh, all the Tom Clancy books, aren't they about submarines? Yeah. I just, I something that, um, I guess... If we were making odds that Saul would have been sunk by a submarine, they would have had to have been pretty high. Um, I guess what his fear of submarines should have been was maybe what I'm circling around. I mean, I wonder how many submarines are off. How many foreign submarines are currently off the coast of Manhattan? Well, they're, they have to be, they're operating in very deep water. They have to, because you have to have a room to, to hide. The whole thing about submarines... Um, in the modern era is how quiet they can be. So they can't be heard by other, uh, by listening devices. Mm. And um, sonar, which was um, probably developed in the 1930s, was fundamental to finding and sinking submarines in World War II. You've seen the films of the guys with the um, ear, earphones listening for the pings of right because they're sending out um, sound waves, and they bounce back off, off a submarine. Um, oh, there's a million great submarine stories, uh, both U-boats and, of course, the American submarines in the Pacific wiped out the Japanese um, uh, surface fleet, and not so much the surface fleet, but they wiped out the... Um, um, Maroos, the shipping, mm. uh, the surface shipping, because they were just so good at it. Um, the great tragedy is that late in the war, when the Japanese were moving uh, American and Brit POWs back to uh, Japan, some of those ships were sunk. Um, All right. Well, that's pretty good. What do you uh, think about crypto? the crypto crash? Um, I'm all happy about it. I, I, um, think that, is it gone worse today or? Yeah, yeah I think it's down 60% off its high, depending on which currency. My question about that is, um, this is gambling. Are people going to be able to take these losses as tax deductions? There should be a law against that. It just depends on if, um, 
the right powerful white men have enough crypto to make sure that the tax deductions are written right. into the code. So, Who asked Dewey where his mom worked? <clears throat> no, he just offered up. Oh. I said, we're going to go drop this lunch off for mom. And he said, mom works at Plaid Pantry. knows plaid pantry i guess i mean you talk about it enough when you come when you come visit yeah okay um what did i send you in the mail the powerball ticket yeah still haven't i still haven't uh redeemed it i I haven't lost it yet maybe i'll go it's just so unsavory in the places that you redeem those things that i don't find the time you must have been in that plaid pantry at, at the down at the corner right yeah of course that's a dump well, maybe that's where you got COVID. Well, um, it's a dump because of the people that they have to, that they have to deal with. A guy, yes, actually, I, I went in there to get a six pack of beer yesterday for the Celtics game, and an old, um, an older semi-homeless guy had just put in a bunch of cans, and the cashier gave him a bunch of was counting out a bunch of coins to him and you know he said and one dollar and the guy said i'm rich <laughs> so that was, he at least he had good humor about it um all right his mom right there uh yeah i, I can get her t- and and what kind of weather you got today raining oh it's raining every day in the 10-day forecast yeah unbelievable <laughs> uh, it's 80 here today mm. But I do think by, you know, it'll go back to uh, being being 50. Aldo would like to talk to you. Hi. hi Mom? Yeah. You're on the podcast. Oh, Hi. I had a perfect opening two minutes of Dad talking about how he has COVID, and I had, didn't have the record button pressed. Oh. So maybe you could fill us in? Certainly. Um, so I've been in New York. Do you think he's going to start wearing his mask now? Well, I did just explain to him where I thought he got it, which was leaving Nantucket. It was really bad weather, so we sequestered inside the High Line um, waiting area room, and it was that boats had been canceled, and there it was like a petri dish of humanity with steamed windows, and just a COVID nightmare. I wore a mask; he didn't. So I don't know. Who knows? But I mean, everybody's getting COVID, so you can't really whether you, th- you wear a mask or you don't wear a mask. Do you Let's think see he's what gonna, happens to me? Is he going to make it? Oh, yeah. All right. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. Um, okay, well, here's what I want to know. When do you think you're supposed to tell your five-year-old son about the impending nuclear destruction that's going to happen? Oh, from Ukraine, you mean? Well, from Russia. I don't think Ukraine's right, going to Right, but I mean, from, from the... Uh, I how, don't how, think... old is your, how old is your kid before you tell them about the war going on? I have no idea. Do you remember getting told about a war? I, all I remember, I think I've 
told you this before. All I remember is being in school and you had to, like, hide under your desk. You know, you had a, they had these alarms and you um, had to hide under your desk. And that was when you were six or eight or ten? I think it was probably when we were from first grade, you know, to fourth grade. He's... It was scary. That was scary. I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't useful. First of all, right? I, I mean, remember. Was... I remember how depressed you were when the first George Bush invaded uh, Iraq. Yes. I, yes. And I was. I think I must have been maybe eight or nine. Yeah. So I didn't think that that was of direct danger to us. I don't think. I just thought it was just not useful, not hopeful, not helpful. So he can't really, he, he's not going to be enlisted. He probably doesn't have like the strategy training to help us out with solving the geopolitical crisis. And ultimately he doesn't, we don't need him to stress out about inflation or oil prices. No. <laughs> but you do see these horrible scenes of children his age who are either being killed or being having their their innocence just completely ripped out of their lives forever and are we supposed to ignore it and not mention it or i just don't it's i'm i i don't know what do you do well i mean i think some people and you guys are sort of pretty good at this you don't have any um uh to, you know you're not all sitting around as a family watching the news so those images aren't coming into your house every night right no and do you subscribe or get a newspaper a paper newspaper no not right now we did but it just piled up and cost us money right uh, and it makes waste and all that so it, it's not like there are so many images. It, are there? No, it, but you just feel like, I guess <clears throat> it might just be my uh, one-eighth Jewish guilt, but you feel guilty living life as if there isn't a serious crisis going on. You know, drinking beer and eating pizza and carrying on about whether or not we got a good campsite or whether we should, you know, take the train or a plane from Amsterdam to London or whatever. Um, it just, it's, again, I understand it's not his responsibility to feel scared for this conflict. I just wonder, like, when do you tell the kid? Like, well, I think, also, this, know, this could go on for five or ten years. At what right, point? Right, well, there are all kinds of, Remember what we were talking about the at your library, how many books there are about pre, to the point of almost ad nauseum about today's conflicts, issues. You know, what about the book that they love about the um, the hawk, the falcon? Yep. So there's a there's a book you can find that doesn't speak specifically, I'm sure, about what's ha exactly is happening in today at this moment in today's world but talks a little bit about um other people's lives and maybe they're not as cushy as ours 
Right. And that maybe we think about that sometimes. Well, should we be shielding our children from... Like, we're getting together for basically what amounts to a family reunion with European relatives this summer in Europe. So certainly while everyone's mainlining Chardonnay and, um, you know, blabbering about uh, current events, what... Uncle Bob likes Sauvignon Blanc. Oh, sorry. Well, shout out to Uncle Bob and all the German listeners. The, 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 The question is, do you... Like, are we supposed to not talk about war in front of kids? I don't know. I might just be asking the same question over and no, over No, I think you do talk about... I think the truth is always the best thing. I've just been in New York and seen three really interesting productions. One musical, two plays. And all of them, in one way or another, involve the truth. And how... And one of them is about... which very well may win the Tony for musical about a very damaged person who really wasn't told the truth. Now, the truth doesn't have, is different. I mean, the specifics of truth are different at different times in your life, right? Yeah. But war is a truth. Yeah. So, well, I guess it might be nice to know that he's kind of gotten through the part where he discovers death before I, because if you talk about war, then it's going to end up with people dying, and then you have to explain death, and it's like, when did when did you have to explain to Phoebe and I when about dying? Do you remember that age? Well, did do you like? Do you remember your first death? No, but I remember being really upset about how you and Dad were going to die at some point. And, right, well, that's natural. And then you telling me that it wasn't going to happen for a very, very long time, and man, did that come true. So, Right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> you mean you're done with us? <laughs> no, I'm not. Um, well, Dad might be dead by the end of this call, for all we know. Right. For all, he went, he's gone outside. He's probably gone to the convenience store. No, I he when I came home he was upstairs in our bedroom. So at least he understood that he couldn't take over. But I did ask him if he came downstairs. I it seems that I'm wearing the mask and he's not. That's well, that's whole, how honestly that's how it should be. You're protecting yourself. Right. I'm I'm worrying about myself. You have the freedom to choose to wear a mask. Right. So, I think that all if first of all there aren't any you haven't you don't need to do and on things where there are no questions. Yeah. I mean, I've talked to Homer about my mom and dad have died. <clears throat> he knows the word dead and died. Well, right? yeah. I mean, it's in, it's uh, At some point, we're going to have to... I guess how the other way to look at this is how close does the war have to come to us before they, they have to hear about it? Yeah, but there's... I'm sure you could find a book about Abraham Lincoln and the Civil War yeah. to explain war. Okay. Right? Or about the First World War or the Second World War. I'll just keep reading him about kids who make pancakes and, you know, dress right. up. Right, well, it's okay. And, and I don't think that Laura's wedding is going to be... I mean, weddings don't usually 
turn into big philosophical discussion periods, do they? I couldn't disagree more with that. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I mean, people sit around and it's a time to come together with those you haven't seen for a long time. And I think people, people feel generally obligated to have a existential check-in with Right, their but family you don't have members. Homer and Dewey sitting around the campfire with you. Oh, well, they're all going to be hanging around listening, and at least Homer is trying to figure out what exactly is going on, I'm sure. But that's okay. I'm not, I'm not worried about it. I just, I, I just wanted to ask. Um, okay. Gosh, I had one other great topic for you, but it just escaped my head. How's your crypto um, portfolio doing? Yeah, well, I'm paying no attention to any of that. Maybe you should explain all that to Homer, and then he can explain it to me. Crypto? So I understand it, huh? Crypto? Yeah. Hopefully it doesn't exist by the time he needs to know what it is. Well, it doesn't exist anyway. Does it? I mean... Everything that we think exists exists i guess i mean it's like and how's saul doing well he wouldn't answer my call so i had to call you two um he he's in europe he's landed yep and the only correspondence i've gotten is a photograph which had large piles of meat on it so i think he's faring well your uncle pd just loved the podcast and he is like now really working on his 70th birthday with his three siblings on the Queen Mary 2. Well, I just love that so many of my family members love my podcast and it somehow makes me feel um, worse about it versus better. <laughs> well, he's not a regular listener. I know. That's great. I'm glad. I, I'm glad. You know, so it's like he's was like he just loved it. All right. Good. Um, shoot, what was it that I was going to ask you? <coughs> um, okay, well, um, we'll just cut this part out where I can't remember. Do, 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 do. Okay, I think that's it. Try to keep, okay. try to keep dad alive for a little while longer. Well, he's waiting for a call back from the hospital about taking the antiviral pill. In, uh, Invermectin? Yeah, I think that's what it is. No, that's the thing that got all of the... Uh... Oh, I don't know. It's one of those things that you're you're supposed to take it if you know soon enough that you had it. All right. Well... Oh, I can I just tell you something? Sure. You can go to the government website and every month get four free COVID tests. Yeah, well, I paid... Twenty-seven dollars for two of them three days ago at the pharmacy. So I'd right, like to but hear... you have to go to the go. It's like the government is giving them out, but they're just not showering them down on you. You have to actually do something to get them. So you go to the government dot com or just um, just do uh, Google um, free COVID tests from the government. You fill out a form, and then you go. You can go every month. Maybe I could call them on landline and not and and act like I'm somebody who doesn't have the internet. You could totally do that. That might be really something. All right, maybe that'll be my. And mind. anyway, I don't understand why they cost so much money. Where that it was that way in Memphis, they cost eleven dollars here. Because capitalism. So I mean, can you imagine if you had the wherewithal to create COVID tests two years ago? Well, they're ago? stopping making them now because there isn't enough demand. Well, there's, yeah, there's plenty of demand in, in my school system. 
we Homer's got indoor masks again, but now we're kind of getting. You're kidding. Nope. Because so many ki- it's people fine. have COVID. We're all going to die of a U-boat attack anyways. Oh, stop. So, so uh, it, it doesn't matter. Um, all right. I'll call you back if I can remember what uh, what I wanted to tell you. Okay. All right. Thanks for Bye. being on. Bye. Bye. Landline. Thank you for calling the COVID-19 Vaccination Assistance Hotline and Portal for ordering COVID-19 test kits and resources. To continue in English, press 1 now. Si desea continuar en español, por favor marque el 2 ahora. If you are calling about COVID-19 at-home test kits, press 1. To receive the government is working through the high demand for free at-home COVID-19 tests. If you added an email address when you place your order, you will get a tracking number you can use to check for updates when your package ships. If you have a computer or smartphone and have not yet placed... What the... Okay... Thank you for calling the COVID-19 vaccination assistance. If you are calling about COVID-19, the government is working through the high demand for free at-home COVID-19 tests. If you added an email address when you place your order, you will get a tracking number you can use to check for updates when your package ships. If you have a computer or smartphone and have not yet placed an order, you can go online to request an at-home test kit at www.covidtests.gov. That's www.covidtests.gov. Our agents are not medical professionals and cannot provide medical advice. This call will be recorded to ensure quality service. You have reached the CDC Test Kit Fulfillment Line. Are you calling to order a test kit, calling to report an issue with placing an order, or calling about an order you already received? Calling to order a test kit. Great. I can help you request one kit of four tests. These kits are intended for individual households, not healthcare facilities, nursing homes, or businesses, and are limited to two kits of eight total tests per address at this time. Due to extremely high demand, there is a long wait to speak to a COVID test fulfillment representative. You can request a test online at covidtests.gov, or you can complete your request with this automated system. Okay. I need to get your address. Please enter your zip code. So that was 97227. Did I get that right? Yes. Thanks. Before I get your address, remember business addresses are not eligible to receive a test kit. What's your street address? 3860 North Melrose Drive, Portland, Oregon. Okay, so that was 3860 N. Melrose Drive, Portland, 
Oregon, 97227. Did I get that right? Yes, you did. Great. Now, I just need to know who we are sending this to. Please say and spell your first name. Alex, A-L-E-X. Now, say and spell your last name. McKay, M-A-C-K-A-Y. I don't need your email to request a test kit, but yes. if you don't give me your email, you will not receive tracking information, an order number, or any confirmation. Would you like to receive tracking information via email? No, thank you. Thank you. That's it. We've got your name and address, and your test kit will be requested. If you haven't yet ordered two kits, you can call us back right now and get another. Thank you for calling the National mm. COVID-19 Vaccination Hotline. Have a great day. Thank you. That was incredibly efficient. Bye. Okay. Kind of like robots. Better than uh, emails. Okay, love you. Bye. Festival. 